0: Hey everyone, welcome to season 14 of the Nonprofit Ace Podcast. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I know that I've been out of pocket. Life, be in. So this season is going to be a combo. So we've got an interview for you so I'm really excited about, as well as some replays because it's 990 season, everyone. And because I've been a little MIA, I wanted to give you all a giveaway. What you have is going to be when you hear the episode for Rebecca Rodriguez, I love talking to her. I've got a couple of things. She has an amazing book that I want you to check out. So if you are saying like, hey, I'm a nonprofit or I'm thinking about starting a nonprofit, this book is for you. And what I want you all to do is be sure to follow us on Instagram, subscribe to the podcast. Once you're subscribed, check out the episodes, download your favorite and tag Synergy in a post on Instagram telling us your favorite takeaway from that episode. We're going to run this for two weeks. And at the end, we will give away five copies of Rebecca's book to people who have tagged us again with your favorite takeaway from one of our episodes. So excited to get you all a copy of this book and to see what you've learned. All right. Thanks so much for subscribing to Synergy's Nonprofit Ace Podcast. Any accounting, business, or tax advice? In this podcast is not intended as a thorough, in-depth analysis of your specific issues. It's not the substitute for a formal opinion. It is not good enough to avoid tax-related penalties. Got to tell you this because don't want y'all coming for me. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Nonprofit Ace Podcast. I am your host, Kyla Graham, and today we are talking with Rebecca Rodriguez, the author of the Nonprofit Workbook. The book is broken up into several parts. And I had a couple that I really wanted to talk about on the podcast. You and I will chat later. And for those of you who want to hear more or want to check out the book, Synergy would love to gift five listeners a copy of the book. So if you're following us on Instagram, we will have a post about it. Be sure to do follow the instructions. And you will get a copy of Rebecca's book. And the first thing that really stood out for me was when you were talking about branding versus um, love marks. And I would love for you to share with listeners the difference between the two and why they should check out what they're doing in that respect.
1: So, you know, in that spirit, Kyla, a 501c, it's a business. Mm-hmm. We need to run it like a business. We need to have startup capital <laughs> and we need to have budgets and you know the programs and everything and it goes on and on. And we've all heard that saying, or most of us have heard that saying that real estate is about location, location, location. Well, business is about marketing, marketing, marketing. Mm-hmm. If you're not spreading the word out there How are people going to find you? You know, how are people going to be able to access your services and get involved and support you and on and on and on? And I do think that some organizations, definitely probably that 35% who have hit the $50,000 annual income threshold and above, Mm -hmm. you know, there's some organizations that have crushed it. Like if I asked you, Kyla, right now, what is the pink ribbon? Signify for you, how would you respond? I'd automatically go to breast cancer and I'd be thinking Avon Walk or Komen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, the Susan G. Komen Foundation for the Cure has done a great job, among many others, where their messaging, their brand is so ingrained in our culture and our society. And I would even go to say our psyche that it's just a no brainer. We know who these people are. Love Mark was a book that was written back in the 80s by one of the founders or or CEOs of an advertising agency called Saatchi and Saatchi. And to me, it's just a classic marketing book. It's just great. So, especially as a 501c, that entity is for the community. The community owns it, it's there to support the community. The community is there to support the organization as well. It's not your message. Which is your mission and you know, and of course your services, it's not about just giving out information. It's about developing a relationship. And, you know, yes, it's good to be recognized by the consumers as Kyla and I talked about the pink ribbon, but you want to be loved. You wanna be cheered on and appreciated by the community that you serve. You want to make it personal. So, what makes it different with a 501c versus a for-profit to me? again, boils down to programs. Are your programs effective? Mm -hmm. What change are you trying to instill in people's lives? You know, we're in the business of changing human lives. We're not in the business of selling a product or a service. We're in the business of changing a human life. That's like kind of daunting if you ask (laughs) me. So in order to do that, you know, love has to be a huge component in there. Compassion. Mm -hmm you know, understanding all these qualities that makes being a human so awesome. And we're privileged to be able to care and to express compassion and be giving and and loving. So the love mark philosophy, I'm just a big proponent on it. Let's make it personal. That's how we'll get supporters. That's how our community will fall in love with us. That's how they'll support us. That's my platform on the love mark.
0: So actually the post-it that I have on that page was, this is what will keep you and donors motivated because I feel like it's not just about the external people. It's about making sure that your team, your ops team, your programmatic team are feeling that love mark that they feel the relationship within the organization because it's rough. We already said that running a nonprofit can be so much harder than running a for-profit business. And by getting in on that level, on that relationship building level, you can make sure people stay motivated when times are tough, when people are just like, are we even supposed to be in this work when the grant funders are saying no? And you're like, "Where our work is so important, but you know, maybe there was an alignment that these are the things that are going to help people say like, No, this work is still important and we're going to push through without sacrificing ourselves.
1: You bring up such a huge point. Yes, you're right. And I wholeheartedly agree. Not only is the love like to those we serve and our volunteers and for the community, but it it definitely, it should start internally and we all have to be on the same page. No political hidden motives while at work. Let's have healthy work cultures too.
0: Yeah. So I have another item that I wanted to pop up just because I think this is something that people don't consider. And you talk a lot in your book about volunteering.
1: Did you like my little cartoon? I did, I did.
0: (laughs) So I would love for you to share with people why you say volunteering is so important And we're also adding in our notes some resources for people who are like, oh, I don't know how to find a place to volunteer. We'll give you some resources on how to get that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, talk about ingrained in our psyche and part Mm -hmm. of our culture. Volunteering's up there. Our government tracks it. So many organizations track it. And it feels good. I mean, we're here as humans. We're here to give. I think We learn more about ourselves when we give, whether it's our time, our talent, or our treasure, it doesn't matter. We just learn about ourselves when we give. And I do love that part of our culture. You know, we are very giving. So there's only a gazillion ways to get plugged into the community. I really challenge people who want to start a nonprofit to rack up X amount of hours the year leading up to opening up a a 501c. Because if they volunteer doing office work or whatever, you know, more than just an event, you know, more than just a one-time gig, like they commit for, I don't know, half a day, once a week, if they really rack it up, their eyes are going to be opened and to really realize that it's tough as, as we've said here. So I think volunteering is huge. If you have that hidden desire that, oh, I'm going to open up a 501c one day start volunteering now, (laughs) even though that dream may be five years away or 10 years away, do it now and hit all the different aspects of an organization. Doing an event's fine, but, you know, stuff envelopes, make copies, be administrative support, volunteer, you know, serve on committees, Mm -hmm. serve as a board member. If you have an opportunity, you know, the other form of governance that's up and coming and it's starting to gain some traction is the sociocracy model, where it's really consensus building in small circles of four or five people, just really cover the gamut in different kind of volunteer opportunities. And if you have a 501c3, or you're about to open up one, and you are think, well, I don't need to hire staff, I can just have volunteers. A couple of things on that. Make sure whatever your services are that you're compliant uh, legally, because if you're working with minors or even elders, your local city or county government might have some regulations that you need to be aware of and mm-hmm. there can be some background checks involved. Just know that hopefully you're starting your organization with sufficient capital to where you can hire staff, whether that's A gig freelancer or a contractor or part time people. But if hiring volunteers is just a way for you to save money, again, there's so much money out there. The money's infinite, it's all around us. You just need to plan that part of it well. You need to build a really smart, practical budget. And maybe you do have to start off with volunteers, but I wouldn't make that a long term goal. I definitely keep that on a short term string for sure. I agree. Definitely thinking not just indefinitely, like at
0: some point, the goal is that your organization would have grown to the point where it's going to need someone. It's going to need actual people who are committed to this and are not just once a week type of operations. And before I let you go, Rebecca, what is one question you either wish I had asked or you wish people would just ask you in
1: general? Well, I was kind of prepared for what's your favorite ice cream, but- um, Tell me, tell me. (laughs) Coconut with no sugar. Okay, let's say for people who are thinking about starting a nonprofit, but who haven't pulled the trigger, would really like them to ask me, does their business model make sense? Because a lot of times the business model is going to be more conducive to contracts and fees for services. Mm -hmm than donations, Kyla, or grants. And I don't think people, that doesn't even cross their mind. So I wish, you know, those who haven't started a 501c would ask me that question. For those who already have their 501c, I think that some questions or just some truths that they need to be aware of is, how often do I need to do a strategic plan? What is the best path to sustainability? How can I be more efficient and effective with my systems and processes? So I probably gave you way too many questions there, but that's 65% fact that I gave you just mm-hmm. a little few minutes ago, Kyla, that's just dismal. <laughs> that just makes me think we're just spinning our wheels and mm-hmm. we are smart people. We are privileged to be living in a country that is economically strong and diverse, whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit. If you work hard enough and your plan is good and your product is good or your service is good, you're going to experience success because hard work in this country pays off. We're very fortunate. I just think that if we're going to take the angle, the altruistic, philanthropic, the greater common good approach, man, let's be smart about it. That 65%, Kyla, is embarrassing. I I would hope in 10 years from now that that 65% becomes 10%. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I just want people to really be excellent in what they do. Yeah. Especially in the social sector. Definitely. And I would say
0: in terms of the level of success, hard work is part of it. There's also lots of luck. (laughs) And then the idea of the marketing piece that you mentioned, being able to say like, are we connecting with the people who can support our work? And so I definitely think a lot of the resources in your book where you talk about one, what does your organization do? As you work through Rebecca's workbook, she has where you would talk about it and she give you more information. And she's like, hey, have your responses changed from like last time you asked yourself this question Just because as your organization grows or as you get more information, you might find, to Rebecca's point, maybe donations and grants are not the way to go. Maybe it is going to be a contract and fee-for-service model. And so definitely thinking through those pieces to consider, okay, does our organization need to change to address the changing needs of our population or the changes in our economy? Like have things shifted in a way that? we need to address and change some of those items. So Rebecca, thank you so much. Those additional questions might just mean that you and I need to schedule another conversation so that we can (laughs) dig into those responses. But again, thank you so much. And like I mentioned earlier mid-interview, we will be giving out copies of Rebecca's book. And so be sure to follow us on Instagram. We are Synergy CNRG Advisory, and we will have details there. All
1: right, thanks so much, Rebecca. Thank you, Kyla. This has been my pleasure. Yay!